And I want to remind you of a couple of things. Do you mind if I do that? Can we just have a special night tonight? Just a family night. Can we do that? I want to remind you of a couple of things. We serve a God that is mighty. Did you know that? Now, I don't know if you know this or not. There isn't a disease or a sickness that can stand against Jesus. Cannot stand against God's people. Amen? Amen. I told you that we had planted a church in Liberia where people were dropping dead all over the place because of Ebola that was killing everybody and how not one person, who and, and most of them newly saved and filled with the Holy Spirit people in the church that we planted, not one of them or their families got affected at all by the Ebola. And that led to the growth of the church because our God knows how to rebuke a plague. I, I just wanted to remind you of that. I wanted to remind you that it's not what man says, it's what God says. I wanted to remind you that God's word is final. I said God's word is final. Now, you know what's really interesting? It's really interesting to me that people think, well, you know, Dean, that's nice because that's in church. But, man, I'm living in the real world where we have to obey what it says by the rules of man and in the world. Really? I'm almost, if that's true, I might as well just kill myself right now. But the bottom line is that is not what's true. God's word works. Years ago, I, I, uh, when I, I've always traveled as an evangelist, but I was on staff at a very, very large church. And when I went there, the area had 35% unemployment. Do you know how much unemployment 35% is? That means people were leaving homes and people were killing themselves. I mean, it was horrible. 35% unemployment. And do you know what? When I first got there, everybody was lamenting that and all the rest. And I told every man that was in that church, and it was a very large church, I told every man in that church, I want you all to join me for prayer. And I want to have you all join me on a Saturday. And I had a ton of guys show up. And I gave them all assignments. I said, from this moment forward, you are not unemployed. You are employed in the army of God. And you know what? You are never unemployed. Do you know what the work of the church is? Everyone repeat this after me. The work of the church is prayer. In other words, it's your job to pray. The minute you get saved, you know, uh, let's see if anybody could fill this statement out for me. Uh, complete this statement, all right? Uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's a, it's a relationship, right? It's a relationship. Everybody say relationship. Don't worry, you're still going to be. All right, hear that, all right? Everybody say relationship. relationship. Now, a relationship, how could you have a relationship if you don't have communication? There is no such thing as having a relationship unless you got effective communication. Can I get an amen? amen? You know what, now, I want, I'm just reminding you of some stuff. Do you mind that? I'm just reminding you. Sometimes you forget things. When you get older like me, you forget things. So, I, you know, I have to repeat things. So maybe I'm just reminding myself. Amen? Now, I just want to say this. The work of the church is what? Shout it. Louder. The work of the church is what? So I told all these guys, your job is to pray. That's your job. So I want you guys, I had all maps laid out for that entire community, which was 150,000 people in that area. And I said, I have assigned all of you to go walking in various parts so the whole city is covered by men that are walking in prayer and asking God to give the community to himself. Now, you know what happened? How much unemployment? Do you know not one man that was part of our prayer ministry that started walking and praying was unemployed after that moment? And I don't mean by walking in prayer. All of them got jobs. Now, you may think that's God. I had a hard time praising God because I love the fact I had a whole bunch of people prayer walking in the community, and I figured it must have been the devil getting them jobs to keep them from walking and praying. I say this to uh, people all the time. If you start acting in a godly way, the devil will fill your schedule with all sorts of stuff to keep you from acting like a godly person. People don't believe me. I'm telling you this is the truth. Your job is to pray. What's your job to do? The work of the church is what? Now, when you work a job, what do you get as a reward when you work a job in the world? What, what's your reward for doing your job? Everybody say it loud. Money. It's money. Everybody say money because it's your paycheck. Everybody say money. Right, you get paid, right? Well, what does God give you? Now, this is what I want you to understand. The work of the church is what? But the reward you get for doing the work, which is prayer, is ministry. 
Everyone say ministry. In other words, it is the flow of divine life flowing through you into somebody else. In other words, it's not preaching at people, it's ministering to them in the name of Jesus. I had a triple A-plus kind of day today. I can't even tell you how great my day was. I mean, hey, nobody had a day like I had today. I mean, it was incredible. It was just one of those awesome days where so many Jesus things happen and so many amazing things happen and all the rest. And I am dragging Pastor Bryant with me tomorrow as a byproduct of how great my day was today. <laughs> we're going to go down to Los Gatos uh, because we're going to go visit somebody I've never met before in my life, and I'm looking forward to it. Amen. Listen, I want to tell you something. Jesus knows how to do awesome things and he rewards his people if they pray with the right to minister to others does that make sense in other words i'm not here i you know i dropped out of medical school i was in med school i was in my third year of medical school when i dropped out and went into full-time ministry now don't think that i had this huge heart that wanted to help people and all the rest i went to i basically went to medical school to launder drug money which was a good way to launder drug money but the bottom line is i was not concerned about patients all right but God had a plan for me, and I got radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God called me in a ministry in medical school. And honestly, every person that is in this room right now ought to thank Jesus. I did not become a doctor. Somebody shout amen. <laughs> Can you imagine? I think I am the reason they invented malpractice insurance, but amen. Hear this, okay? I mean, can you imagine me walking into the cardiac ward? Hey, everybody! <laughs> I mean, that would have been like, everybody would have been dead. Hear this, all right? Guys, I want to tell you something. I was in medical school doing that, but God called me out of medical school. I did not drop out of med school to minister to people, to do everything that the world can do for people. I didn't do that. I went and went into ministry not to do what man could do, but to see what God could do through me. I remember telling God, Jesus, I mean, I want to do the fun stuff in the Word of God. I don't care if I get killed. I don't care if I get personally embarrassed. I don't care. Lord God, I want to lay hands on people. I mean, I remember I first got saved in medical school. I used to walk back and forth in my room because I, I used to see all, all the people doing all these amazing things. I would walk back and forth in my room praying in tongues. Man, I was walking back and forth praying in tongues. I was so excited about all the possibilities. I was dreaming about preaching to people. I, was, I, was, I, was, I preached to every piece of furniture in my dorm room in medical school. I must have led my bed to Christ at least five times and kept backsliding. But hear this, all right? I mean, I preached to the chair. I mean, I preached to everything. I mean, I preached to everything. One morning, I was waiting for my mom to pick me up to bring me to church. You would have loved the church I went to. But anyway, I, I was waiting for her to pick me up to bring me to church. And I mean, I was just preaching to everything and all the rest. All of a sudden, a note comes underneath the door. Somebody slides a note underneath my dorm room door. And I thought, God, is that you? And I pick up the note I was expecting to be in gold letters because I figured God writes in gold. I flip it over, and it was the guy who lived next door to me. He says, listen, your atheist next-door neighbor would really appreciate it if you preached a little bit lower to your chair. <laughs> That's what the note said. You know what I did? I laid my hands on the wall. <laughs> listen, I started praying even louder. He ended up getting saved. I think it was in self-defense. Now, hear this, all right? I'm going to tell you something, man. I used to preach to everything. I used to dream about laying hands on people. I even would take my chair, and I'd pray for my chair to be healed. Of course, chairs can't be healed, but I prayed for my chair to get healed, and I'd shove it over so it gets slain in the spirit. I'm like, hallelujah! I remember, man, one day, and I listen, I want to tell you just the truth about me. I remembered when I was first saved, I would listen to everybody on TV that was a healing evangelist, because I knew I was called to be an evangelist. I I would listen to all of them. I mean, Oral Roberts, Rex Humbard. I mean, I listened to everybody. I mean, and I watched all the healing evangelists. And I mean, I literally had a tape recorder, and I tape recorded the prayers they prayed over people to get healed. And then I took that tape, and I transposed it onto a sheet of paper. And I typed out, single-spaced, five full pages, front and back, meaning 10 pages, single-spaced. I combined all the prayers of all the healing evangelists because I figured if they're all anointed and they're... I used to think it was the things that they said. I didn't realize it was the anointing and the faith that you have in your heart. But I thought it was the things that they said. So I literally memorized all of their prayers as one prayer. Even at my speed, it would have taken five minutes to pray that prayer over every person. But I literally memorized that prayer. And one day I'm speaking in tongues, I'm praying in my dorm room, and I'm, I'm exceptionally hyper. I don't know if you guys know this or not. You probably think I'm shy and introverted, but I'm not. I'm really actually hyper. But hear this. 
I'm on my knees and I'm praying. I'm going, da, 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 da. man, I'm praying and I'm praying. And I'm seeking God and I'm praying and I'm getting after the Lord and I'm praying. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord, I feel like, speaks to me and says, go upstairs to the room of this one girl on the 10th floor of this building. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I know a miracle's going to happen. And man, I went running up there. I didn't even take the elevator. I went running up 10 floors of stairs. I knock on the door. The girl opens up the door. She goes, I can't believe it's you. And I said, why? And she goes, I, I was just going to find out where you were and find you. I said, why? She goes, well, do you see this, this thing on my eye that's hanging off my bottom eyelid? And I mean, you couldn't miss it. I mean, my goodness, you could see it from the, uh, with the unaided eye from the space shuttle. It was this ugly, brown, hairy thing that was hanging off the bottom of her eyelid. And I'm like, I'm like but you, I noticed on TV that all the ministers, they're all cool. And so they're all, the, they're suave. They're debonair like Pastor Brian. They're really cool. <laughs> and and, and they, they don't, like, they don't say, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, are you kidding? I almost bumped into it on the way into your room. I mean, you can't say that, right? And so you look at them, and you have to be cool, and you have to be like, why? Oh, yes, oh, that, yes. Why, yes, that brown, hairy, ugly thing, sure, yeah. So I see it, and so I'm like, yes. And she goes, well, I just got it. They, they biopsied it, and they said it's cancerous. And somebody told me that you believe that Jesus heals people. Can you pray for me? She's asking me if I want, this is the first person I get to pray for to get healed. I've just been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit for just a couple of weeks. And, and, and she asked me, and I wanted to go, yes! But you can't do that because they're all suave. They're cool. They're Pastor Brian. <laughs> they're like, and I'm like, why, yes, I would love to. So I reached out my finger. And now, mind you, she's standing inside her door on, in this dorm room. People are walking everywhere because it's a dorm and everybody's out. You know, all the rest of this stuff. I'm standing in the hallway, reaching through the, from the hallway into where she's standing inside the door. And I put my, my finger on that ugly brown hairy thing. And I then lift up my hand like this. And I went, see da 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 Jesus, in the name of Jesus, which is like the first opening line of a 10-page prayer. In the name of Jesus. And then I realized God, I realized this afterwards, God was not really interested in waiting for the nine minutes and 59 seconds of my prayer after that. Because when I said, in the name of Jesus, on my way to finish my practice prayer, as I finished, in the name of Jesus, the power of God went through me and nailed her. And I saw something I had never seen before, ever in person, ever. Because when I said, in the name of Jesus, God zapped her and she got slain in the Holy Spirit. Which I've always thought is an unfortunate way to call it because ain't nobody dying. But anyway, so she goes over like this and she goes out cold. And I went, yeah, because that freaked me out. I'd never seen it before in person, ever. And if you're into the King James, it freaketh me out. All right, all right. So it, it totally freaks me out. She's on the ground. I'm looking at her going, ah, like this. People are now gathering up because they heard the thud. I mean, she like landed hard. And she's on the ground, out cold. And I'm like, oh my God, Jesus killed her. In my mind, I'm thinking she's got sin in her life and God killed her. And I wasn't thinking spiritual thoughts. I went and reverted to my unsaved days. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to jail. What am I going to do with the body? <laughs> That's all I was thinking about. I'm like, what am I going to do with the body? And I thought, I have witnesses. I have to kill them. I'm going to be a mass murderer. I wasn't thinking spiritual thoughts. I'm going, ah, I was hyperventilating. I'm looking at her thinking I'm going to steal the body away somewhere. I'm going to kill these people. I mean, I messed up. I'm running, all right, for the rest of my days. And as I'm looking at her hyperventilating, thinking these carnal thoughts, I notice something on the floor next to her body. It was that ugly, brown, little, hairy thing. And where it was and had been on her eye was a piece of fresh new skin like when you remove a scab. Jesus had healed her completely. That is the very first person I ever laid my hands on to get healed, ever. This scumbag street kid from the west side of Chicago, born of Greek immigrant parents, one of them illegal. Can I tell you something? God can do anything with anybody if you just believe. Listen to me. I did not get saved and drop out of med school to resort to man's, man's solving of problems only Jesus could solve. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, 
But you don't need an answer from God. You need God himself because he is your answer. Jesus himself is the answer. Your presence is incredibly wonderful to me. It's the presence of God that really matters. It's Jesus himself that matters. What's the answer to your problem? Jesus. What's the answer to this problem? Jesus. What's the answer to this? But I need money. Your answer is Jesus. What's the answer to my sickness? Jesus. That's the answer. The answer is Jesus. He is the answer. You're like, what? Come on, man. What am I supposed to do? Give me a figurine of Jesus and that helps me? How's that going to help me? It's not the figurine. That's your problem. It's not the figurine. It's the living presence of the living God. That presence, you know what? If I didn't have anything but I had him, I would have a lot more than you. Because the bottom line is he's the one that really matters. His presence heals me. His presence inspires me. His presence gives me energy to go the next day. His presence lifts me up when I'm down. When I'm lost, it finds me. When I am absolutely like confused, it gives me clarity. Can I tell you, that presence matters more than any other thing in this world. Our goal is him. Not what he can do, it's him. I'm just reminding you of something. That matters more than anything. By the way, does anybody really think that if you're in the presence of the living God, that any disease can rest in your house? Do you think that any sin can launch that? I tell you what, you know what? The work of the church is what? What's the work of the church? Shout it. And what's the reward you get for doing the work? And that's the divine flow of supernatural life. And the ministry of the church is saving souls. What's the ministry of the church? And that includes discipleship. What does it include? Can I tell you something, guys? This, that's Bible 101. You can't get around that. It's Bible 101. Can I get really freaky spiritual on you right now? Can I? Can I? Come on, encourage me and I will. Let's go ninja. Okay, now listen. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. Hear this. I, Guys, and by the way, I mugged somebody from the 60s. Just deal with it. Now, hear this. Guys, do you know, a lot of times I think we think we're like Adam and Eve. Like Adam and Eve were just like us, and we're like Adam and Eve. You know, that's not true, right? It's not even close to true. Adam and Eve were not like us at all. Now, we are like Adam and Eve after they sinned and fell, but we're nothing like them before they sinned and fell. Adam and Eve were spiritual beings who had physical bodies. They could see spiritually and physically at the same time. They had communion with God, and they were spiritual beings that had physical bodies. But because of sin, you and I are carnal creatures who are attempting to become spiritual. You know what the problem is? The problem is we're, God wants us to see spiritually while we're living in these physical bodies. Now, you know, some people, they just freak out when you talk like that. They're like, oh, that's kind of new age stuff. That's the devil trying to convince people to be in absolutely dead churches. You know how many dead churches there are that don't understand the real spiritual world? By the way, here's a heavy reverie that the Bible talks about. Do you know that the physical world was made out of that which is not seen? That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. That which is seen is made out of that which is unseen. The spiritual world is more real than the physical world is. And you know what we need to become experts is we need to become experts and powerful in the unseen world. And the only way that happens is becoming spiritual people. You know how messed up this is? Can I talk to you about that? You know, by the way, I love your earrings. It would be so cool to like light them on fire and let little gerbils jump through. That would be so much fun. Hear this, right? Hear me. Guys, I want you to, I want you to focus on this. Guys, our problem is this. We are so contrary to what this Bible says. That we have made it an insult what the goal is of our lives. We look at somebody, oh, you think you're so spiritual, don't you? What am I supposed to say to that? No, actually, I'm, pride that, I'm prideful that I'm carnal. I hope I'm spiritual. This is how bad it is. How many times have you ever heard this one? You know what? You could be so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good. You know what? I want to tell you something. It's the lack of spiritually minded people that is no earthly good. You know, most people are so carnally minded, they're no good for anybody, even God. The reality is, is that God has called us to become a spiritual people. That's why he says you're to be filled with the Spirit. You're to walk in the Spirit. You're to be led by the Spirit. You're to hear from the Spirit. You're to be imbued with power from the Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And we make him like he's the unwanted third 
you know, cousin of the Trinity. We treat the Holy Spirit. You know what we treat the Holy Spirit like? It's like we just went through the holiday season, right? We just go through Christmas and all the rest. We treat the Holy Spirit like he's that one relative that nobody wants to invite over, but you got to invite him over because he's family. It's like, oh, gosh, we have to have Uncle such and such come over. So he's going to come over, and he's so weird, and he embarrasses us because of the way he acts and the way he smells. You know, so we, we treat the Holy Spirit like that. So you know what you do? You go through your life, and you're all carnal. You get mad at work, somebody gets in your face, you get so mad, you pop him off, and then there goes your witness, and now you got an order of protection. And, and people think I'm weird when I say, hey, you get mad? This is what you do. Somebody gets in your face, you look at them and do this. You're like, what's that? That's called yelling in somebody's face in tongues. You do that because that has two purposes. Number one, it calms you down. And it actually makes you start laughing, thinking about their expression on their face when you start doing that. And number two, they feel the presence of God. And you know what? You just chill out like this. People look at me and go, oh, come on. I can't do that. Oh, yeah, you ought to try it because it's better than getting an order of protection. It's a lot better than getting an order of protection. You know, it's a lot easier for them to take you. It's a lot better to go to the mental hospital because they feed you better than it is to prison where they don't. And don't ask me how I know that. But hear this, all right? The reality is, my friends, I would rather have them. You know what? Because I tell you what. Tell me if this isn't true. Nobody wants to touch and mess with somebody they think is crazy. Right? I would rather act crazy and have people say, don't mess with that person because that person's nuts. <laughs> I have prayed in tongues in the face of, of people. Often. Look, I had, I remember I was in Liberty City. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Miami. I was in Liberty City, which is a hugely horrible area of Miami. And so I was there, part of an outreach that was led by some other people. And they asked me to be one of the evangelists, one of the main evangelists. So I went there and here I am with 200 teenagers pitching a tent in front of crack houses and all this other stuff, the major gangbanging activity and all the rest of this stuff. And all that stuff's going on. The police came by when we were setting up the tent at 530. And the police officer looked at me and he said, we don't come in here after this hour. We're leaving. We're not going to be here to protect you. If you call, we're not coming. You're on your own. Preacher, I suggest you leave now. And I said, when you leave is when we get started. Because that's the kind of person I am. Because if I'm going to die, I don't want to. Look, we all get a, we're all going to die one day. You know that, right? We're going to die. We're going to stand before God. How are you going to die? What are you going to say? Up there in heaven right now in the fellowship hall, they're having a good time praising the Lord. Peter's going to get up in that fellowship hall. He's going to say, hey, when I died, they crucified me upside down. That's the way I died. I didn't deny Christ when they burned my family alive in front of me and asked me to deny the Lord. And I didn't deny the Lord. And I said, you know what? You're going to crucify me? I don't, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Turn me upside down and crucify me like that. That's the way he died. And that's exactly what happened in his life. Stephen's going to get up and he's going to go, oh, yeah, man. Man, they got all over me and all the rest, and I got stone. Not like, hey, dude, righteous, not that kind of stone. I mean, I'm like, that stone. I got stone, and that's how they killed me. That's how I ended up in heaven. Everybody's going to be going like, yeah, hallelujah, woo, yeah. What are you going to say when you get up there? They're going to look at you. How did you get in heaven? Well, you know, like, I, I choked to death on a donut at the coffee fellowship at church. That is no way to die, my friends. I was eating a cream-filled donut and went, and I dropped dead. That is not the way to go. No, you should say something like, oh, man, I was praising the Lord. I was jumping. Next thing I knew, here I was. I got my praise on and then died. Well, hallelujah. You know David would love that. He'd probably come up to you afterwards. Was it one of my psalms? Were you singing one of my psalms? Listen to me, man. Listen to me. So I'm in Liberty City with all these people, right? And I'm like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to die like sitting in a pew. I want to die doing something for the Lord, reaching people for Jesus. And man, I, so here I am in Liberty City doing all this stuff. And a gangbanger, I think it's gangbanger wannabe, an 18-year-old guy pulls a 32 out and sticks it in my face. You know, the and the, you know, I mean, he didn't have a safety, so I wouldn't have a safety. Hand. He's got the 32 right in my face like this. He says, shut the blank up. Don't say one more word about Jesus. I'm going to blow your head off. And I looked at him, and I started laughing. I mean, as God is my witness, I went, <laughs> which was really funny because it had a weird effect on him because he started shaking like this. I'm laughing at him. He's got the gun, and I'm laughing. And somebody told me afterwards, they said, it must have been holy laughter. Oh, come on, Really? I mean, holy laughter. I, mean, I actually found it humorous. I looked at him. I said, bro, you have not been listening to what I was telling you. Christians don't die. Sure, you pull the trigger and you shoot me in the head. I'm going to be holy. I actually said that to him. He didn't find it funny, but I thought it was. 
I said, I'm going to be holy. But man, I will be far more alive then than I am right now. That should scare everybody. I said, I'll be far more alive then than I am right now. And Christians don't die. My body may die, but I'm going to be up in heaven. And the Bible says we're coming back from the dead. We're coming back with Jesus. And when I come back from the dead, I'm coming looking for you. <laughs> when I said that and started laughing, <laughs> he was like this with his eyes open. You know what I did? I lifted up my fingers. He had a gun in my face. I thought, why not? And I went like this. I started yelling at him in tongues with my 32. <laughs> He went like this. He went, yeah, and he took off running. I took off running after him. Carol shouted, don't press your luck. He was younger and a lot faster, and he got away. Carol asked me afterwards, what would you have done if you caught him? I'm like, does a dog ask what he's going to do with the car? No. Listen to me. I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Listen, I want to tell you something, guys. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jesus style. Amen? Not Gangnam style. I'm going to go the Jesus. I don't know why they got Jesus style. <laughs> listen, man. I want to tell you something. God has ordained. Now, listen to me. Our job, look, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, they were spiritual beings uh, who were living in the physical world, who had physical bodies. We are carnal creatures. They need to put to death this physical flesh, and we need to grow spiritually so we can operate in the spiritual realm while we're in our bodies. You know, one of the most interesting texts in the Bible is when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says they saw him glowing, which was the presence and power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. And the thing people overlook is they actually saw Jesus glowing, and then they saw Moses and Elijah. Nobody ever bothers to think, how did they know that was Moses and Elijah? You know, th there was no Facebook. There wasn't any of social media, right? I came up with a great idea, by the way, to combine Facebook, uh, home, uh, uh, home space, or not home space, yeah. MySpace, sorry, MySpace. MySpace, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, and I was going to call it my TwitFace, but nobody bought into it. But hear this, all right? Friends, focus. <laughs> there was no, so how did they know that? By divine revelation. Peter is blessed by Jesus when Jesus looks at him and says, you know what? You know, you're blessed because he asked them, who do you think I am? He says, you're the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father was in heaven. The greatest power you have is becoming a spiritual person and having spiritual revelation. It's having spirit, everybody say spirit revelation. You need, do you know what's interesting? There's a verse in Proverbs that nobody ever thinks about. The book of Proverbs says, it is God's glory to conceal a matter, but it's king's glory to find it out. And people are like, why does God keep things secret? You know, why can't God answer all the questions for us? Well, let me ask you all a question. Let's just all think together for a second. Let's say you got a chance to get into a university and you could study, you know, at the university. And let's say when you got into that university, and it's a prestigious university, and you go in for your first final, and you're like, oh, man, I'm sweating this out. I studied all the rest of this stuff. And I don't know if I'm going to do well because it's a really hard class. And they pass out the test. And five minutes after they pass out the test, they pass out the answer key for the test to every student. How many of you think that would be cool? Yeah, come on. Oh, I love it. I see all the kids here. Yeah, uh-huh. Right? How many think that would be cool? Come on, raise your hand. I'm going to see your underarm stains. Come on, right? Hear this, right? So we all think that would be awesome, right? Pass out all the tests right after they pass out the, the thing. Well, let me ask you something. What if you found out after you were there that day that they did that for every test the entire time you were there? What would you quickly learn? That you didn't have to what? You didn't have to study, right? And you know, all the guys in this room, we wouldn't study. The ladies probably would do it anyway because they thought it was the right thing to do. But guys, forget it. We're not going to study. So, so, you know, we're not going to study. You're like, forget it, man. They're going to get, why bother staying, pulling an all-nighter? They're going to give you the answers, right? How cool would that be? You could be a PhD or whatever you wanted to be that way, right? 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 Okay, let's say you graduate with a PhD, a prestigious degree from this prestigious university through a school that did that, right? Well, let's say, God forbid, 10 years after you graduate, you get a brain tumor, and they bring you to the hospital, and they, they wheel you into the operating surgery, 
And as they do that, right before they put you under with anesthesia, your brain surgeon comes in. And he's a guy who graduated medical school at that university. How many of you guys would want him to do your brain surgery? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you don't want him to do your brain surgery? Raise your hand. Why not? Why not? He didn't study, meaning he didn't learn anything. You don't learn anything if you're not part of a journey of discovery. You don't learn anything unless you pay a price to get revelation. You don't learn anything that's lasting that changes your life. Unless there's a process of breaking and travailing in order to gain something. The work of the church is what? That's why it's work. It's because we got to get past this flesh to learn the things of the spirit that God wants us to learn. You know, it's one thing for you to come and we're, we're going to pray here. We're going to do something in just a little bit. Uh, it's one thing to pray and, you know, pray and, and get healed. It's another thing to lay hands on yourself and see a, a spirit of health exist in your home. It's another thing to have people pray to kind of get you set free and delivered of something. But a time comes when all of a sudden you're wondering why it doesn't work anymore. It's because God has called you to a place to walk free yourself, that you are your own bondage breaker yourself. But that takes something. That's why a lot of people like to come to church and just receive. You know, I ain't no Catholic. I'm not Catholic. I was raised the Greek Orthodox, which is like Catholic. I'm not a Greek Orthodox. I'm a born-again, spiritual believer in Jesus Christ. You say, why do I bring that up? I'll tell you why. Because some years ago, I was preaching in Alabama. And I was in Mobile. And I was in Mobile, Alabama preaching. And I, was, uh, I got up in the morning, went uh, down to have my continental breakfast, came upstairs, made sure I got myself dressed up in the suit I was going to be preaching in and all the rest. And so I realized I still had about 30 minutes. And so, so I thought, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I realized my shirt was still kind of a little wrinkly. And so I took it off, and I was going to iron it a little bit more. While I'm ironing my shirt, I turned on the TV set and looked for a Christian station. So I, I turn on, and I came to EWTN, which is the Catholic network. And I see everybody gathering so the priest can minister to everybody the grace of God through the sacraments of the church. Anybody who comes from a Catholic background knows exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's lining up because the priest is the only one who could dole out God's grace to people. How messed up is that according to what the Bible says? Until I flipped to the next channel, which was the charismatic channel, TBN, right? So I flipped to TBN, and I see everybody lined up so the evangelists could go down and lay hands on them so they could receive the miracle power of God. And I'm like, what's the difference? I kept flipping back and forth. What's the difference? We, did we just change it? One just sounds alive and maybe has some life, and the other one's the same? Look, don't, don't misunderstand me. I love it when people, the Bible says lay hands on people and these things are going to happen. I got no issues with that. But what I'm saying is, is that really the goal for you to just have to hang around there and wait for somebody else to get you what God promises he'll give you if you seek God yourself? And then you wonder why people don't know God because they're not part of that journey of discovery because they're not attempting to become spiritual. Can I get another level of freaky with everybody? Come on, can I? I want to get my freak on. Can I do that? All right, okay, okay. I want to, if, you, if you'll indulge me. I'm just going to quote some Bible verses to you, okay? Jesus said this in John chapter 17, which is known as the high priestly prayer. Part of his prayer, he says this, I am no longer in the world, but they are. That's a freaky comment. He said, I, Jesus, am no longer in the world, but they are. You're like, thanks, Lord. Can we just switch places? You take the world and I'll take heaven. But Jesus says, I'm out of here, but they're still there. Then the Bible says this. The Bible says in Philippians, my citizenship is in heaven. Here's another freaky verse. Ephesians, it says this. Jesus says, we've been raised up in the, in the word, his word says. We've been raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And again in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this. It says, that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. You're like, dude, what's all that about? Somebody smoking weed? I mean, what's that all about? No, I'll tell you what it's about. Thanks for asking. I, I'll tell you what it's about. 
Jesus said he's no longer in the world. Did you ever wonder how is it that Jesus is in the world today? How is Jesus in the world today, in your opinion? How? You're, you're doing it. Come on, tell me, Manny. Just say it out loud. You're going like this. Where? How, how's he in the world? Yes. He lives in us, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Galatians, right? Christ lives in you, right? So how's God in us? He, how's God in the world? He lives in us, right? So, so Christ lives in us, and that's how he's in the world. Outside of that, he is actually not in the world except by his being in here. So doesn't that make you a very interesting creature? Indeed, it does. Why? Just follow me. When a person's not saved, they're apart from God. They're spiritually dead but physically alive. In other words, they're not operating the way God intended us to operate. In other words, when God made mankind, Adam and Eve initially, when he made them, his design feature was that they would be spiritual beings living in physical bodies operating in the world, which is both physical and spiritual. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Am I leaving anybody behind? Do you understand what I'm saying? If you do, say yes. All right. So he's made them like this. So then when they sinned, they became carnal creatures separated from him spiritually. And death does not mean the ceasing of existence. It means separated from God forever. Now, anybody who's ever had a Jehovah Witness knock on your door, a Jehovah Witness will tell you that in order to be spiritually dead means you don't exist anymore. They call it soul sleep, actually. You know, I remember talking to a, to a, a Jehovah Witness, and this Jehovah Witness was witnessing to me and telling me I needed to become a witness for Jehovah, and I needed to leave Jesus and the things I believed. And he was looking at me, and he says, what could be worse than ceasing to exist? And I looked at him, I said, well, I think hell would be worse. He goes, what could, how could hell ever be worse than ceasing to exist? I said, well, how about having a body that is physically alive, a body that has every disease known to mankind, a body that is in torment for all eternity, in flames, but your, but your body never burns completely to death, and that even though there are flames, it's completely dark, because from being apart from God is the absence of light. So you're in dark, screaming, absolutely stark raving mad, and you can hear other people screaming, but you can't see them, but you can never get help. I looked at him, and he's staring at me with his eyes open like this. He goes, that is worse. <laughs> I said, no kidding. I said, and that's what you need to avoid, not the ceasing of, ceasing of existing. Sounds like fun to me. But that's not what's going to happen to you. I led him to Christ. Hallelujah. All right, now, hear this, because the reality of it hit him. But I want everybody to hear me very carefully, right? Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they got separated from God. They were physically alive, but spiritually dead. Everyone say spiritually dead. Here's the problem. The problem is they can no longer operate spiritually, so they were at the mercy of the devil. That's the problem with all the people around us who don't know Jesus. They're at the mercy of the devil. They are fighting a fight they cannot possibly win because the most real part of this world is the spiritual world. They're not alive in that spiritual world. And so you know what the devil does? The devil cons them. They even get involved with occultic things, and the devil shows them these demon things and makes them think that they're controlling them, but they're actually being controlled by those evil forces on their way to a spiraling mess of hell. You cannot win unless you have power in that realm. And the only way to have power in that realm is to be filled with light. Darkness only exists in the absence of light. I mean, guys, the only reason this room is not dark is because there's light here. The only way darkness could come in this room is if we turn off the lights. Whenever there's light, darkness is dispelled completely. Darkness has no power. Darkness cannot overcome the lights. You have to eliminate the light in order. You got to take it away for the darkness to even exist. That's how powerless the devil is. I was preaching at a youth gathering some years ago. Six youth groups had flown me in to do a big youth thing. And so I came in, and I mean, I walked in. The first meeting was so incredible. You had all these people get saved. The second meeting, I walked in, and something was wrong. I could, you could feel it the minute you walked in. And people are just nervous. The worship team is all disheveled. I mean, everybody's nervous. And all of a sudden, the leaders of this conference, the youth pastors, they're coming up, and they're going, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Why? What's wrong? A coven has shown up, a satanic coven, 13 of them. They're dressed in their hoods. They're dressed in black stuff. They're throwing incantations and other things. It's messing up everything. And I'm like, well, I'm, aren't you grateful they're here? They're here to get saved. And they looked at me and they said, man, but they're powerful and they do things and the kids know them and they're all scared and all the rest. I said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Come on, you know, get your act together. So I prayed with everybody. I prayed with the leadership and all the rest. We're backstage. I prayed with all of them and all the rest. I walk out there. I'm sitting out there. And you couldn't help but see them. I and mean, there are hooded people sitting out there with black hoods on going. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, it was actually, I thought entertaining. But anyway, so, 
So they're out there and all the rest. And so, I mean, the worship team attempted to do what they called worship. I mean, they literally couldn't hit their keys. They're, I mean, they were so, dis- they tried two songs, and I'm like, oh, forget this. So I stood up. I walked up to the front. I took the microphone from the head worship person. I said, just guys, sit down. Okay, so I, they sat down on the stage. I said, hey, everybody. I said, my name is Dean. If you're visiting for the first time, my name's Dean. And uh, we have a whole bunch of satanic people here, a special guest today. I guess we have a whole coven, 13 people. I said, so, I said, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I said, so, those of you, who's the leader? Well, it was so funny because I'm, like, calling them out, right? So I said, who's the leader? And all these hooded people looked up like this, and they had this terrified look on their face. I don't know why. But they had this terrified look, and they all went like this and looked at this real tall, ugly kid who had, like, his, his pimples had pimples. And so... Um, so he's looking, he's the coven leader. And I'm like, the only danger I felt from him was that those whiteheads were going to explode and I was going to get plastered, you know. And so, so I'm like, I'm like looking at him. That was disgusting. I just said that, wasn't it? Wow, you can't get that thought out of your minds. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, right? I'm, 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 I'm standing there. And I said to them, I said, you. I said, you're the leader. I said, everybody's looking at you. So listen. I'm going to give you the next 15 minutes of this service. Come up here. You can't butcher anybody, but come up here. Do any incantations. Tell us about the devil and all the rest. And when you're done, I get to pray. And that kid was just, they're all staring at him. And he's just staring at me like this. I'm like, come on, man. I said, I mean, he didn't even move. He's just staring at me like this. I mean, he was obviously terrified. I look at him. I said, are you in a coma? Are you okay? (laughs) And he said, he just like this. He just went like this. I said, well, come on up here. What's your name? And he wouldn't say anything. I said, what's the matter? Demon got your tongue? I mean, what's the matter? I said, I'm giving you 15 minutes. As I'm saying this, pleading with him to come up there, you could feel this thing in the room where all of a sudden everybody just started laughing and it started, the room started relaxing. Because you know what I realized? Everybody was jumping on the faith that I had because I realized I don't care what these people do. The, you know, there is more power in my little pinky than the entire kingdom of the devil combined. Do you understand that? You cannot win if you're carnal and in the flesh. But if you're spiritual, you can. Are you understanding this? Right? So finally, he didn't do anything. So I just got up and I preached. I preached, gave it all to go for salvation. 12 out of the 13 got saved. There was one girl that just like was terrified in the back. She was sitting there shivering and she never moved. But 12 out, including the leader guy, they all got saved. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We cast a demon out of one of them. I mean, come on. Somebody shout Amen. You are an agent of light. But watch this. Jesus said, I'm no longer the world, but they are, right? I'm no longer in the world, but they are. Meaning, we're here in the world. When we're unsaved, we're separated from God, we're not alive spiritually. But when you get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you are now alive spiritually and physically. Now, this is where I'm going to get my freak on, and you've got to follow me on this. If you have any struggles with what I'm saying, just, just say, okay, I don't understand that. Just tell me, and I'll explain it again. Listen to me. So what happens is I am now, according to the Bible, it says my citizenship is in where? But I'm also living on, which means I'm a dual citizen. Because both of my parents are from Greece. I'm a dual citizen of Greece and America. Okay? There are things I could do in Greece you cannot do because I'm a dual citizen. If you're a dual citizen anywhere, you can do things in two countries. You have rights in two countries that not everybody has unless they are also a citizen of that nation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, right? Because I'm a dual citizen of Greece and America, I can do things in Greece and in America, but because I'm a dual citizen of heaven and earth, there are things I can do that normal humans cannot do. I have access to things that others do not have access to unless they're dual citizens as well. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of and I'm a citizen of both. Jesus said, now, he said that I've been raised up and seated with Christ. Do you realize if you're born again and filled with the Spirit, while you're sitting there right now looking at me, you're also in a very real sense seated with Jesus up there. You're like, why don't I feel it? Because you don't cultivate your spirituality. How do I cultivate my spirituality? Thanks for asking. By becoming more of a person of prayer. By turning off stupid TV sets and stupid radios and stupid other stuff and, and consuming yourself by developing the spiritual side of you so we could look at people and see both spiritually and physically at the same time. I have literally talked, I, I remember once being asked to pray for a young lady 
at a meeting. It's too long to go through the whole explanation. But I, I, I went to lay hands on her because this girl who was 16 years old had attempted to kill herself 22 times. They brought her from the local mental hospital and brought her to the meeting with three adults who weren't allowed to be further than arm's length away because she had been so ingenious about killing herself, trying to kill herself. 22 times a 16-year-old tried to kill herself. They asked me to pray for her. How do you pray for somebody who's trying to do stuff like that? I don't even know what to pray for somebody like that. So I looked at her, put my hand on her head, started praying in tongues, closed my eyes, had my hand up in the air, was praying in tongues over her. I had no sense of how God wanted me to pray. Then I took my hand off of her head while opening up my eyes, and what happened at that moment after that was bim, bada, boom, like this. When I opened up my eyes as I took my hand off, I saw it standing on her shoulder. It was this big. It was standing on this shoulder right here. It was looking, it had both of its arms around her head. It, for, by description, I'm just going to give you the description of what I saw. It looked like a, a, a monkey, but its arms were longer proportionate. Like an orangutan, you know, has longer arms, you know. It was like an orangutan in its looks. It was about this tall. It was hairy. It had fangs, and it was looking at me with its arms around her head. Looking at me, it was doing this. It was going <laughs> like this. I mean, I opened up my eyes to see this thing doing this. And so my reaction was not even thought out, Okay. My reaction was, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I mean, I went like this and waved my hand like this. I don't, to this day, I don't remember any sensation that I felt it. I just waved my hand, and when I did that, it let go of her head, started screeching to high heaven, and never touching the floor, went right through and dematerialized through the wall. And when it did that, she fell to the ground. I mean, she fell to the ground, and everybody starts calling on top of her. They're all praying for her, and I'm looking at the wall thinking, what on earth was that? I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, what was that? And by this time, there's a whole bunch of humanity praying over this girl and all the rest. And I just kind of thought, okay, praise God. And I walked down. They let that girl, 16-year-old girl, come up to me. The three people that were with her that were all adults that were mental health case workers, one of whom was born again and filled with the Spirit. The other two were not. It was the one that was born again and filled with the Spirit who had brought her there because there was nothing that they had done that could help her. And so she brought her to the meeting that was there. That's a spiritual woman who's risking her job and everything for others to get right with God. Brings her there to them, and yeah, amen, that is worthy of a hand clap, amen. She, she brought her, she, that lady sent her to me, and evidently they were convinced everything was fine. That girl looked at me, and she goes, and you could tell what her, her church background was. She addressed me, she goes, Father Dean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a father. I said, I wouldn't mind being your father, but I said, I'm not your father. I'm not a father. I'm just call me Dean. And so she said, Dean, she said, I just want to thank you so much for what you did for me. I said, I didn't do anything. Jesus did it for you. And she told me this. Now listen, I was the only person who saw that thing with its arms around her head. And she looks at me and she said to me, she goes, uh, she goes I don't know what you did. Somebody said you waved your hand over me. She goes, all I know is when, when, when I fell to the ground and when I got up, she goes, and I don't know, I'm speaking this funny language. I don't know. Because they got her filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, all I know is, she said, all my life, as long as I can remember from when I was really little, I've always heard a voice in this ear. Remember I told you it was sitting on this shoulder? She said, I've always heard a voice in this ear telling me, you're no good, kill yourself, you're no good, kill yourself, you're no good. Can you imagine that? From the time she was little, you're no good, kill yourself, you're no good, kill yourself. She goes, and I've always felt this pressure on my head. Do you remember what I said? She said, but I don't feel that pressure anymore, and I don't hear that voice anymore. I said, hallelujah! And this girl looked at me, listen to me. No, this, that's not even the best part. This girl looked at me, she goes, although I do have to say something. I said, what's that? She says, I did hear another voice. And so I'm like, uh-oh, okay, red flag. I said, you heard another voice? She said, yeah, I heard another voice. What, did, what, what was that voice? What did it say? She goes, it wasn't like the voice I've heard my whole life. She goes, it was so different. That voice that spoke to me, she said, it spoke to me and said, it's okay, you're mine now. I mean, I want to tell you something. That's what God does, amen? Amen? Now listen to me. Because I'm a spiritual person who cultivates spirituality, God opened up my eyes and I saw into the realm of the spirit. I saw the problem that was tormenting her. I saw the demon. It was a demon and I saw it. It doesn't mean I'm special. It's just I spend time cultivating my spirituality. Not, I'm not trying to be the best carnal person I could be. I'm trying to be the best spiritual person I could be. I'm trying to die to my stinking self. I'm so tired of my stinking flesh. I want to become more spiritual. I want, to kind of be, I want to become a person that when somebody talks to me, I don't want to just hear what they're saying and joke with them. I want to hear what they're saying, joke with them. I want to love on them, and I want to hear what God is doing in them. I want to hear them whispering in my ear while I'm talking to them. I want them to give me all the insights. I led one girl to Christ who was a, who was a really 
gifted and talented person who was studying to be a doctor. I led her to Christ because I looked at her, and just in a conversation, I looked at her, and, and she didn't want to have anything to do with God. She was a nominal Christian at best. She wouldn't have anything to do with what we were trying to do, trying to get her disciple, trying to do this stuff. She just wanted to be peripherally involved every now and then with church. And I looked at her one day, and her name was uh, Charisse, I think. Not Charisse. It was um, oh, uh, Charlene. I looked at her. I said, Charlene. I said, Charlene. I said, um, hey, listen, I'm just praying for you. I'm, I just want you to know I'm praying for that guy who keeps, like, stalking you and, and, you know, calling you and all the rest of this stuff. Don't worry. God's going to handle that. And I turned around to leave with my wife, Carol, when she grabs my, uh, my shoulders, turns me around, is as white as a ghost, and is shaking. And she looked at me. She goes, how did you know about that guy? I said, what do you mean? She goes, how did you know about that guy? I haven't told anybody. I haven't told my family, and I certainly wouldn't tell you because I don't even like you. She actually said that to me. And I still there. I said, well, you must have told me. And then Carol asked me, she goes, yeah, how did you know? I said, well, she must have told me. She goes, I've never told anybody. She starts crying. How did you know that? And all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, my goodness, Lord, you just, like, brought, you just whispered that into my spirit, and I just confessed something that was going on. I looked at her. I said, God told on you. She goes, what? I said, God knows every detail of your life and revealed it to me so I could tell it to you so that you would know that he knows everything that's going on in your life. He's got your back. And if you surrender your life to him, he's got to, he'll take full control of your life. She got on her knees on the sidewalk on that street in Chicago on Rush Street. She got on her knees and we led her to Christ, got her filled with the Holy Spirit right there in front of her building. Are you hearing me? Our goal is to be, I'm just kind of reminding you guys of stuff. That's all I'm doing today. We're having family night tonight. Listen to me, everybody in this room. Jesus said, I'm no longer the world, but they are. You've been raised up with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. You're a citizen of heaven. And the manifold wisdom of God is now made known through the church. In other words, we make known as people that are living in this earth, we make known to the spiritual forces that are ruling the lives of people that are spiritually dead what they can and cannot do because we don't give them permission to run over our families and our neighborhoods anymore. I want everybody to listen to me very carefully. Why is prayer so important do you understand you're an interesting being you are a portal you are a hose or if you're from canada you're a hoser okay you're you have one end that's open in heaven you have another end that's open on earth when you pray it's like you're opening the spigot on earth and anybody knows anything about pressure where the pressure if, if the one end is open in heaven it naturally flows this way what prayer is is accessing. Listen to very carefully what I'm going to say. Prayer accesses the power of the world that is to come and brings it into the world that now is. Why is it when I pray for somebody to be healed? Why is it if she's sick and I pray for her to be healed? Why is she healed? Because there's no sickness in heaven. In other words, when I pray for her, there's an overlap of heaven into earth through my prayer. When I pray for him, if he's depressed and I pray for him, why does he get happy? Because there's no mourning in heaven. If I pray for my sister and she's bound by something, why is she set free? Because there's an overlap of heaven into earth because there's no bondage or curse in heaven. Do you understand when we pray, the power of the world that is yet to come comes into the world that now is? Do you know what the great tragedy is? In the Bay Area, it's not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. It's because people are walking around thinking they're going to try to use man's methods to solve the problems that only God can solve. So we're spiritual people we're supposed to be, and we're acting in carnal matters and, and basically playing the role of what the devil wants us to play. God wants you to rise up. God wants you to be spiritual. God wants you to be a person of prayer in an instant. He wants you to cry out to him at any moment, at any place, at any time. That's why he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse devils, uh, cleanse lepers, cast out devils. Why do you think he says that? He wants you to act like the child of God that you are. Don't you understand? When people walk into the house of God, you know, we just warm up in here for what we're supposed to be doing out there. This is just, this is just a Zumba class. <laughs> To get loosened up to have the real fun out there. To get our hands on people. I'm dragging Pastor Brian tomorrow to go visit somebody. Because I led somebody to Christ in Colorado. And we, my wife and I uh, sold our house, gave away all of the furniture, gave away all our money for the third time in our lives. 
and we didn't know where to live. And we're like, well, we have nothing. We should believe God for some place to live. <laughs> so, so we did. And so we got an apartment. But when we were looking for an apartment of where to live, we were checking out several apartments in Denver. And one of the places had a leasing agent, and this leasing agent was this young lady. And this young lady, you know, uh, I was joking with her and joking God things with her and all the rest of this stuff. And I could tell she was just lost and unsaved. And I'm joking with her and all the rest of this stuff. And anyway, at the end of our time looking at the apartments, and we didn't choose that apartment, we chose the other one that we lived in for a couple of years before we moved into the place we now live in. And, and so anyway, so we're, she's showing us around and all the rest. And I, and I look at her. And I just joke with her. Her name is Amanda. And I, I joke with her. And, 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 uh, and she looks at me. She goes, um, can, can we, like, stay in contact or whatever? I'm like, sure. She gives me all of her information. She goes, I've never met anybody like you who talks about this stuff this way. And um, I don't have enough time to talk about this and all the rest. So a few things happen and all the rest. But anyway, uh, she emails me. And then we had to put, a, like, a security deposit down just to hold the place. Since we had to decide between the two places we were looking at. We didn't decide for that one. And so I, I had to call her to get the security deposit back. And, and so I leave a message, and then I realized she'd given me her email information, so, and she had told me to email her, so I'm going to write her an email, so I'm sitting down at my computer, and I start typing the words, hey, if you could send us back the security deposit, because we're not going to take that place, so sorry, and, I, and, I, and I, I just want you to know, you're really cool, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on me. I mean, I start praying in tongues, and I start crying, and I'm looking at my computer screen, and the Spirit of the Lord says, type this to her, and so I start typing. God just wanted you to know something. You've been worried and you've been afraid, and it's regarding children. And you've been scared that you can't have a baby or something like that. And I want you to know that God's got your back. He's heard your prayer, and that doesn't, you don't have to worry about that for the rest of your life. God's got it. And then I typed this. I said, if that comes off as really strange, what I just typed, remember, I was dropped on my head a lot when I was a young kid. <laughs> but I am one of those crazy people who, when I tell you that I'm going to be praying for you, I actually do. Because I do. Your new friend and forcibly adopted father, Dean. Because <laughs> I'm old enough, I adopt them all. She's in her 20s. And so I said that. 15 minutes later, I get two emails. 15 minutes later, I get two emails because I'm working on stuff. And all of a sudden, my, it goes bing on my computer, and I look in, and one is from a person I have never seen their name before. That's who we're visiting tomorrow. <laughs> and I've never seen her name. And the other person is Amanda. And I'm like, who is this other person? I've never even seen this name before. I mean, I don't know. If, and all of a sudden, I, I realized <gasps> when I emailed Amanda, I emailed her at her workplace. So maybe this is her boss because maybe, you know, some places they kind of filter all the emails. And maybe they're getting on me. And I don't want to get her in trouble for getting on this. So I'm thinking this is what's going on, right? So I click on it, and this is what it says. Dear Dean, you don't know me, but I'm just a grateful mother. I'm a grateful mother, and you don't know me from Adam. I happen to be... Amanda's mother-in-law. And my husband and I have attended for some years an Assembly of God church. My son was raised in those things, but he's far away from God, and Amanda does not know the Lord and all the rest. And my husband and I have been praying for years that they would have a supernatural encounter, that God would send somebody into their life. I don't know if I'll ever meet you in my life, but I just want to say thank you for being the answer to a mother and a father's prayer. Keep doing a good work. And she signed her name. And I'm like, whoa. And so then I clicked on Amanda's. And Amanda says, I am so sorry it took me this long to reply. 15 minutes for, for somebody who's in their 20s to reply. I'm like, this is a world record. Are you kidding? <laughs> she goes, I'm so sorry. She goes, but I just got back from the restroom because I read your email. And I'd been bawling. I broke out crying hysterically. And everybody wondered what was going on. I ran to the restroom to compose myself. And I just came back. And while crying, I'm typing this to you. How could you possibly have known? And I'm like, known what? And I'm reading her email. Here she is. The doctors told her, you'll never have a kid. She's 20-something years old. They said, there's nothing that we can do for you. You're never going to have a kid and all the rest of this stuff. Now, I want to tell you something that God's answered a whole bunch of prayers and a lot of miracles have happened. But within two days, she was sitting in our apartment and we were leading her to Jesus. This young lady I'd never met before in my life. You know what? If you want to be carnal, you can go ahead and be carnal, but not me. You know what? I have seen tumors dissolve and disappear. I prayed for a lady here not that long ago who was completely blind and had never seen anything. And the first face she ever saw in this world, unfortunately, was mine. All I want to know is, how many blind people you've been praying for? 
many cripples have you prayed for? You know what? I am not that special. If you haven't figured this out from this preaching, I am not that special. I'm never going to be the greatest preacher in the world. I never wanted to be. I mean, my self-concept is something else. I talk too fast. I move too much. I'm way too loud. I love garlic. <laughs> I don't think that's an issue. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, guys, I just want you to hear me very well. I'm not here to be everybody's best. I'm just here to obey God and be a spiritual person. And all I know is if I pray, I get an overlap of heaven into earth. And a, a guy I know who I've been witnessing to for a while who's unsafe, he looked at me and goes, I just think all your answers to prayer are just coincidences. I just looked at him and I said, all I know is the more I pray, the more coincidences I have. All I know is that's what God wants.